Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Hello. Well, <laughs> hey, the show already started. I thought you were no-showing on me, so I'm going to restart it right now. Okay. Or I'm trying to restart it right now. Hmm, it is not letting me play the intro. And overcoming... Well, hey, everybody. We did make it on today's show. I wasn't sure we were going to get here today. Technical difficulties, uh, but we have made it, and I am super excited to be here uh, on Book Journeys Radio every week. As you know, we feature another author and their journey to make a difference with their message. This week's show is no exception. We have a psychotherapist, a yoga teacher, trainer, and an author, Lisa Daniel Chuck. She is the author of Embodied Healing, Using Yoga to Recover from Trauma and Extreme Stress. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, Angela. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. So as we get started, let's give people a sense of Embodied Healing. What is your book about and who did you write it for? I wrote my book primarily for people who are in yoga or mental health work who are really struggling to try to connect to the dots. So what what I've seen happen being in both fields is there are yoga teachers who are learning kind of by fire about trauma by seeing it happen in their classrooms. And there are mental health professionals who are recognizing that they really need to use the body. And in between those two worlds, there's a way to really bring these two together. So I wrote my book to try to build those bridges for people so they could understand how these two fit and how to really use them and apply the tools that we know in both fields in an integrated way so that we're actually addressing the things that are showing up in yoga rooms and are showing up when people are getting stuck in therapy and and moving forward and helping people heal. What I love so much about this, and I'm so glad we're talking about it this week, is 
when I first read your book, I thought that was really good for other people. Because I thought mm-hmm. this is a good book. I bet yoga teachers need this. And even <laughs> helping people to write their books just recently over the weekend, I think I might have talked about this um, to you a little bit, but over this weekend I had an author who was writing about trauma and had a very emotionally triggered response and, and actually couldn't finish writing. So I think mm-hmm. it's so interesting that your tools, while they're for people who have trauma, it's really about helping teachers be able to show up more. Like I realized how uh, ill-equipped I was. And I think maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of ignorance, but like I always felt like any therapist I went to would know how to deal with that. Or even, you know, a nurse should know how to deal with it or any life coach should know how to deal with it. But sometimes when it comes to to trauma, all of our tools that are in our heads, all the questions I might ask someone because I tried to ask really good questions, it seemed like the more I I thought I was like asking really good questions, Um, Mm -hmm. but the healing, I don't think that the trauma is showing up in a way that logic can maybe deal with. You know, like I think people in trauma (laughs) should just know you're not in danger right now. Can we just tell them that? Like, I can write it down. Just write down five times you're not in danger. Can that solve it? Yeah, no. <laughs> no, because people are really in, they're really reliving something. So, and and that, I think, is one of the bridges, right, is, is people talk in yoga about being fully present moment aware, but we all know our minds are all jumping different places all the time. Like, what am I going to have for lunch? Or what am I going to do about this problem? Or that good thing that happened yesterday? Or we're, we're kind of all over the place as a norm, but the more intense something is, the more we're pulled into those different emotional times and places and feelings. And as you saw, it can be really strong where people, they can't write down, I'm not in danger. They don't feel like that's, true and and so yeah it it can be really challenging I can't convince them harder so I want to talk about this idea of the body like where does the body come in because I think we as a culture spend so much time in our heads that's what we learn in school that's what we like learn if you're having problems in relationships you should communicate better um, so mm-hmm. how does the body play into this? And also, how did you figure this out? Because you were trained as a therapist. So is this something you learned um, when you were learning therapy? Or how did you make this connection? Yeah, the interesting thing is, for me, yoga and psychotherapy and my, my experience and my training and both have really been side by side. And so as I've learned, the connections have been really clear But one of the interesting things is I decided to study early on interpersonal communication. And I didn't really know why I was studying that other than, oh, this is interesting to me. And now I go back to conferences at UCLA where I was studying, and they're all about interpersonal neurobiology and therapy and mindfulness. It's like all of the stuff has come together, whereas, Mm. you know, 20 years ago, we didn't really have that as a field. So... For me, it's just organically evolved. This is what I'm interested in, and and then it it makes more and more sense. But the first part of your question, I skipped over that. Uh, like where does where does the body come? Where does the in? body come? Why? In? What? Yeah. yeah. 
Did so, you call it embodied healing? So, like, I want to know, like, why, why yoga or why do we have to get into our bodies to solve this? Why do you think that just um, talk therapy doesn't work? And it can to a degree. And like you said about relationships, communication is really helpful and really essential. But think about when you're communicating with someone, are you – are you just going on their words? No, you're listening to the inflection in their mm-hmm. voice. You're trying to get a sense of their vibe, of how they're feeling. You're watching their body language consciously or unconsciously. So especially when we talk about relationships and so much of healing is done in relationships because so much of not healing is also done in relationships. There's so much trauma happens between people, right? So there's a way that that you know, sixth sense or that attunement or that kind of empathy connection to other people can be just a huge part of healing. And even if you try to take that out, which for most situations, it's really hard to take out the relational piece. But even if you just say, okay, well, someone was in a car accident or something, if you played a slow-mo tape of their body as they went through that experience and you look at what happens, I mean, there's so much adrenaline and there's such a deep, seated deep within the brain response to something overwhelming that we can't ignore that right so if you just go and talk to someone and tell me about your car accident some people will just start stuttering because the second you bring it up they're there again and they're saying well I was at the light and then this came and then and, and they're there and they're living it so that's actually one of the ways to see if someone's processed through something if they're recovering you can you can watch their body and you can see it like if you're doing a a course of you know even a 10-week yoga session and you listen to someone even just talk about their symptoms the first day and then talk about their symptoms the last day their voices change their posture is different they're connecting differently with people there's not like a one blanket you have to look this way but you see the changes within the person so if you're not Mm. looking at that level if you're not looking at is this per like if you're not looking at the level of activation within the person, then you could just retell the story. And there are types of therapy that do that. There's a type of therapy called prolonged exposure that I have a lot of clients come to me who've had, you know, early childhood trauma, like this kind of interpersonal stuff that happens in relationships. Prolonged exposure is a type of therapy that basically re-exposes you to the trigger over and over again with the hopes that you move through it. So it's kind of like the approach of like, if you're afraid of heights, go stand by the edge of a cliff until you get used to it. But if you're afraid of heights because someone threw you off that cliff, standing by the edge of it is just going to make you more and more and more and more terrified that you're going to die. And so, so doing body work, doing relational work, that kind of work actually settles the system and there's a missing piece that I talk a little bit about in this book, but it's, it's for a future book as well. And the missing piece is dissociation, right? So if someone is standing on the edge of a cliff and it's really triggering, at a certain point, you've probably seen this, they get that kind of glazed look in their eye and they're somewhere else. And like they're like, no, I'm fine. I can stand at the edge mm-hmm. of the cliff all day. But they're not yep. really there. Right. So again, mm-hmm. that connects to that yogic aspect of like being present or being engaged or being connected mm-hmm. in the moment. So that piece of dissociation, which is something that's unfortunately not really in all therapy training and only for people who really work with extreme trauma and learn about dissociation or 
you know, a colleague that teaches them about it, it's it's a piece that's kind of missing in mainstream therapy, I think. So people think, oh, I can just keep exposing this person, and now, look, they're not upset anymore. Their body's totally still. And it's like, yeah, but they're not there. Like, they are right. off in a field they're of pansy somewhere playing in their mind. Skills. Right. They're exactly. just completely checked out. And so that's not a healing experience. That's a re-triggering or even re-traumatizing experience, right? So you want to find so ways to help people. You... Is this how you came up with the idea for your book? Have you seen stuff like this in the past? Like what, uh, what inspired you uh, to pick this book topic? I mean, it kind of felt, it felt like this is where my career and my life have evolved. Like I've taught yoga in juvenile halls and and a lot of work in centers and specialty schools and recovery programs and community programs. And I've always been like in a therapeutic role and the yoga lady, right? Like I bring yoga mm-hmm. and I'll teach yoga and I'll talk about yoga. And everyone's like, are you going to eat a tofurkey at Thanksgiving? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and so it just naturally evolved for me to be really interested because I had kind of a foot in this therapy training and a foot in yoga training the whole time. And these connections were so clear to me. So I've always been excited about it and wanted to teach about it. So the topic itself was obvious. I've been teaching workshops about this for years. I blab about it to anyone who will listen. And I love talking to people who are doing it and helping them solve like the really hard problems that come up with this work. Cause it's, it's really triggering for providers too. So the book was yeah. really like, I have to write about this and I have to just get this out there. And, you know, there's, there's very little resources. There's very few, I think there's more and more people starting to do this work. It's kind of like a, a cutting edge. It's just sort of becoming a field, but it's a young, very young field. There's not a lot for people to look to in terms of resources. So that was a big motivation for me to write the book was just so like, let me get this out there. I mean, I know I'm still learning and it's all evolving because all of this stuff is new, but there's so much there. I just had someone who finished my online course. She just said this this morning. She's like, I didn't know. I had no idea what I didn't know until I went into this course. Like, and she's been a yoga teacher for like 20 years. It's like, I had no idea, but you, and she's like, I just have to tell myself, of course, you don't know what you don't know, but there's no reason for some yoga teachers or for many yoga teachers, there's no reason for them to be exposed to this unless they're actively seeking trauma training, which is what this, this student was doing. She was actively seeking it. Well, that's, I mean, really that's, that's what I felt like happened to me is like, I was like, this is important work that other people should learn. And then all of a sudden it was in my (laughs) face and I was like, I am totally unprepared for this. And I think as a service provider, if you're working, like, I don't know, writing a book in general doesn't seem that traumatic to me, but I do get a lot of people who write about traumatic experiences in their life. And I suddenly found myself with no tools. Like I'm somebody who's always got a big tool bag and I can right. usually just reach back in the tool bag and pull something out. And I really right. didn't have anything there. I was like, well, I got nothing. Let's, let's do, you know, let's do the work. Let's do talk therapy. But, like, I really didn't have anything. So I think there's also a level of professional responsibility. I know that I've started to feel that, like, if I'm going to take on a client 
who has trauma in their past, in my case, to write a book, but it could be to do therapy. It could be business coaching. It could be to do yoga with, like you're just thinking, hey, I'm going to teach them how to do better inversions. Um, but mm-hmm. really, what's, what's the level of responsibility that you think providers have or is it like, hey, if you run into somebody with trauma, like, just send them away. You don't need to have tools if, if this isn't your area of expertise. Ideally, I, I wish everyone knew this information. I wish everyone went through this kind of training. I've also, you know, another person who took my course last year was saying, this just makes so much sense for all the people in my life. Like now I understand my family better and I relate to them differently and I'm a, I'm a better daughter and I'm a better mom and I think, you know, whether you're helping people write books or you're working in a science lab, like this, it's about human beings and about and about what they do when they're overwhelmed. And so that's applicable to pretty much anyone. I mean, maybe there are some really isolated positions out there where you never talk to a person, but even that, I mean, I wish everyone got this training and I know that's not, you know, a realistic life goal for me to <laughs> make that happen. Right. But, but right, to so speak to your point about a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I wanted to respond to your point about, about the author who got overwhelmed because the, if you're around someone who gets triggered and is overwhelmed and you don't have any tools, you're going to get overwhelmed too, right? You're going to be like, Oh my God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And then you're going to start going, uh, how about this? How about that? But if you don't feel like just knowing the process and and just knowing that you have some tools helps regulate you, which then can Mm. help that person, right? So even for me, if I'm working with someone and they're being triggered in a way that's different from other people I've worked with before, I I know I have a lot of tools in the tool bag I can reach for, and I'm not gonna go with them, right? And I think that's one of the values of really understanding trauma and really getting some training in it of how to deal because then you're sitting with that person and you know how to work with yourself <laughs> and mm-hmm. and then you can share that and then you can offer, okay, how about this? Okay, how about that? And then you can also know what to look for in terms of what's working because they're not going to say necessarily, oh, thanks so much, Angela. I feel so much better now, right? But you're looking for signals from their body. You're looking for signals in their voice or in their experience or in their eyes that something's helping. And if you know, if if you can regulate yourself and you have a tool bag to dip into and you can know what to look for in their response, then you can be more of service and then everyone feels better, right? Because then you're like, oh my God, I, you know, that was intense, but you're back, <laughs> right? Instead of right. like uh, just that, that feeling, it's so unsettling when anyone you know or love or is in your presence is, is totally overwhelmed and people just end up feeling helpless. Yeah, Absolutely. So let's turn a little bit to the process of creating this book. Um, For you, what were some of the biggest challenges you faced? You obviously have a body of expertise. You knew what you wanted to write about. Where did you run into challenges in getting your book written, and how did you face them? How did you deal with them? I knew I wanted to write a book for a couple of years, and I think one of the biggest challenges for me even once we were working together was just putting it out there and letting it be enough for now because I'm always learning and because I'm always adding new stuff. And 
you know, learning, going to more conferences and integrating more stuff. I, I want it to be like a, a finished product. And I have to know that it's, it's not, it's always going to be, this is what we know now. And then five years later, this is what we know now. Um, so it was hard for me to just get everything together and organized. But I think the biggest thing was it was hard for me to feel like it was enough. So Mm. that was a big shift for me learning like this, this information, if I hand it off to someone today could really help a lot of people or I could hold on to it for five years and it could not help people for five years. And it could be a totally different book then and I can put it out. So I can either put this out now and put out another book in five years or two or one or next next month. <laughs> right. But, right. But there was something in that that really clicked for me of I've got to let go of being, you know, a perfectionist or of, uh, you know, I've got to just like set this information free and share it and, and then keep going from there. That was really huge for me. So I actually remember talking to your, talking to your editor about this, because I know this was a mm-hmm. challenge for you and you had a pretty great relationship with your editor, at least for my, as your publisher, for my angle, what were some of the mm-hmm. things that having an editor in general did for you and was there any advice that kind of helped you overcome that because I think wanting to be perfect is the reason why a lot of people don't ever end up publishing yeah Grace was great and I really felt like she could respond to me and let me know oh this chapter really resonated with me I really felt you know connected to you and this chapter felt like a little technical or so I can get her fresh read on it because I'm so steeped in these things that it's hard for me to see it from a distance. Mm -hmm. So she was really helpful in giving that feedback so that I could kind of rework things. And she was really helpful in those pivotal moments of like, should I hold on to this or should I wrap it up and, and set it free, so to speak. And I think, her not being in the field was really helpful to not being, you know, a yoga teacher or a trauma therapist because she would give me that feedback of, wow, you know, people need to know this and wow, this is so applicable and I'm learning. And so for her to say those things helped me kind of recognize again, this is really worth sharing now. Yeah. So I think it's so powerful to have, that objective eye on your work because we can be so self-critical. Like we're so trained at that, that you miss mm-hmm. what's actually working and what is important. Absolutely. For you, whether this mm-hmm. is, whether this is personal or whether this is a business accomplishment, but for you personally, what's the best thing to come out of feeling, uh, out of finishing your book? There is definitely a sense of just accomplishment of this was something that like I wanted in my soul to write a book. And so to feel like there were kind of two sides to it. One was like, Oh, I did it. I can do it. And the next was like, there's more. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so it's, those are both there, but the biggest, I think the most rewarding thing for me is when people reach out from all over the world actually and say, Hey, I read your book. It's really helpful. And usually these are people who have experienced yoga or some kind of therapeutic movement and they want to share it. 
with other people who've experienced trauma or they want to share it with people who are struggling in their community, but they don't, they don't, they haven't had all of this exposure to like how to think about doing that or to what to consider in terms of trauma or in terms of how you're teaching yoga. So they'll reach out and say, thank you so much. This is so helpful. And I'm bringing this to, and someone wrote me right after we published from India. He's like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm teaching in a children's home and, Thank you so much. This is going to really help me to help them. And so I, I feel like I'm, like you're talking about with being in front of the author, I feel like I'm kind of coaching and helping and supporting those people who are out there doing this work that, that I've done and I know is really overwhelming and really challenging. So hearing from yeah. them, I mean, that just like brightens my day. Every time it happens, it's, that's the biggest gift of it by far. So Lisa Daniel Sucks website is howwecanheal.com. Um, her book, Embodied Healing, Using Yoga to Recover from Trauma and Extreme Stress, is available on Amazon. Check that out. Lisa, in our final minutes, I really want to get uh, a little more information from you of how you work with people beyond the book. So somebody loves the book and they want to take it to the next level with you. Can you share with us a little bit about what you do? And as you're listening, think uh, for yourself about your book. What's the way that you can support people beyond the book? Yeah, I created an online training so that people who are anywhere in the world can go deeper into this information and get personal support from me. So that's all through my website, How We Can Heal. And that's the primary way I've decided I've, I've had to get really focused and think, okay, how can I best support people moving forward? So creating that online program has been really fulfilling for me in the same way the book has, just hearing people you know, spreading out this work and learning and spreading that you know, inspiration and, and knowledge out there too. Yeah. Okay, any final um, any final advice that you would give to somebody who wants to write a book um, but hasn't been able to accomplish that goal? I think getting support is huge. Just having having structure, having support when you hit those hard moments, because it's possible for those hard moments to take three months <laughs> or three minutes. Right, and, and if you're alone, it's not much more likely that that's going to be three months or three years that you just push the manuscript aside and say, oh, too much, I can't do it today, and then I can't do it tomorrow, and then I can't do it the next day, right? And so that, I mean, it, it actually connects back to trauma. It's avoidance, right? Mm. So if you have someone there with you, and like, oh, this stuff connects, and I could go on forever, but like, if you have someone there with you, you're much more likely to take a deep breath and like literally or figuratively reach out a hand and say, okay, I need help with this piece. And then you move through it. And then it's not like consistently nagging you or there in the back of your mind on a way far back burner for six weeks, three months, nine years of your life. Right. Right. You can move through those challenges and we try because we're in such an independent culture. We try to do it alone, but it doesn't, we don't really work that way. We're social beings. So I really feel like get support, like whether you're looking for help because you've experienced trauma or you want to write a book or both, or you want to teach yoga people, like just reach out to someone who knows this stuff and get their help. Love it. 
Love it. Well, Lisa Daniel, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thanks for having me, Angela. Awesome. We'll be back next week with another episode of Book Journeys Radio. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.